Radio Mano Papachango. up world world how you doing out there wherever you are in the world i feel like the world has drifted into some strange zone you know we're we're so conscious of the zones upon the planet that we move in and out of the temperate zones the tropics the deserts where i'm going tomorrow in fact to the desert zone I'm going to uh, out by Joshua Tree. My buddy Justin's in town, as I think I mentioned in the last episode. We're going out to um, Slab City, Bombay Beach, uh, the Salton Sea, which is kind of this bizarre post-apocalyptic lunar situation. I've never been there. I've been wanting to go for a long time. Justin got down here and we were sort of talking about like, okay, what are, you know, what, what are things you've always wanted to do in LA and have never done? And he's only been here a few times. So there are a few of them, but, uh, one of them wants to go to the Salton Sea. So called my buddy Tal Ruspoli, who some of you may know from the podcast. He's been on at least twice, maybe three times at this point. Um, and he, uh, he's got a place out there and he knows people, knows the scene. So he sort of gave me some of the inside skinny. And uh, so we're going to go out there tomorrow night uh, and hang out there and then go up into Joshua Tree and cruise around the desert zone. Um, anyway, the, the zone. So we're conscious of the zones on the planet. But I feel like, you know, we forget that the planet itself is hurtling through space and moving through zones. Uh, it's hurtling around the sun, just as the moon is hurtling around the earth. But it's also the whole fucking solar system is moving through space. The whole Milky Way galaxy, in fact, is moving through space. Everything is moving within some larger realm. And so we're moving through zones that we're not even aware are zones because we're not unless you're an astrophysicist or something, you're not thinking about the fact that the planet itself is flying through the vastness of space and, and moving through different gravitational fields and, and, you know, clouds of cosmic debris and who knows what else that we're not even capable of detecting. And I feel like we have moved into some sort of a zone where the laws of probability are bent. They're not what we're accustomed to. And so it's kind of like some Einsteinian sense of space time being a three dimensional thing and you can actually bend it and there are like curves and bulges in space time. I feel like there are distortions in the probability um, matrix, if you follow me. And so things that seemed totally improbable, vastly improbable, just a few years ago, suddenly are starting to feel kind of commonplace. And of course, you know, I'm 
largely referring to this whole Trumpocracy that we find ourselves immersed in suddenly um, and the bizarre shit that's coming out of Washington and, you know, the tweeting president. I mean, fuck, I don't know. Am I really old or is the whole notion of tweeting itself ridiculous? I remember when my editor, when Sex at Dawn came out and my editor was like, dude, you got to get on Twitter and you got to tweet. And I'm like, what? I, I don't I tweet. What am I, a fucking bird? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to tweet. I'm a self-respecting human being. I walk on two legs. I'm not a fucking songbird. Uh, that wasn't so long ago. That was very recent. And yet here I am tweeting like a fucking motherfucker day after day. And now we've got a president who communicates largely by tweeting. Oh, God. Anyway, so it just feels like things that seemed like you could bet against, now suddenly the laws of probability have changed. So I don't know. I, it would be interesting to talk to gamblers or people who spend their days immersed in these laws of probability. And, and like, is, is weird shit happening in casinos? You know, are... Are one in a million odds suddenly seeming like more like one in 10,000 odds? You know, is there some sort of weird, you know, a random number generator spitting out bizarre, improbable sequences of non-particularly random numbers? What's going on? Feels like it. There, there are these experiments Stanley told me about years ago that, uh, there is some, I mean, I'm talking out my ass here, but now that I'm saying these things out loud, it occurs to me that there is research that shows that, uh, you know, there are random number generators around the world and they just are constantly because they have, um, you know, whatever the logarithm is that, uh, uh, is that the right word? Logarithm, mm, whatever the, the, the program that, that generates random numbers just keeps spitting out these strings of random numbers and you can sort of measure their randomness, I guess I'm out of my depth here. Someone can correct me, but the, the research shows that when there are these bizarre, large scale events, uh, on the planet that the random number generators uh, start, they, they register changes before the event happens. So supposedly before 9-11 happened, there were measurable reductions in the randomness of the sequence of numbers that were coming out of these machines. Um, Google it. If you don't find it, let me know. I'll talk to Stanley and, and you know, if you're interested in this, but uh, I'm pretty sure that the research is, is widely available. Um, that's one of the things that... Um, uh, parapsychologists use to sort of measure and, and look for anomalous events is when these random number generators register some sort of change in their behavior that is associated with um, global events. So who knows? I'd be interested to know what's happening with the random number generators right now. Anyway, before I say anything else about anything except this episode, which is, let me get into the episode a little bit. This is uh, two dudes who rode their bikes across America. Um, Brian and uh, Patrick, two brothers. 
They left from Massachusetts on their fucking bicycles and rode to California. And so I met with them shortly after they'd arrived in California. I think they wrote to me from the road somewhere. I think they listened to the podcast or someone put them on to the podcast. I don't remember how, how we got in touch. But in any case, I said, when you get to California, if you don't get flattened by a fucking semi truck between here and wherever you are, you know, let me know and, and maybe we can get together and do a podcast. So they did. We did. And uh, we had a really good conversation, drank a few beers. I think it was the first podcast, maybe to this point, the only podcast I've recorded in my little cabin here in Topanga. And uh, so it's uh, got the local charm, that handcrafted feel to it. Anyway, this is uh, Patrick and Brian. And uh, before I get into this, though, a guy named Quinn sent me an email a couple days ago uh, with some music that he was recommending. And I listened to it and fuck, I really like this stuff. The band is... The Nomads, uh, spelled with a K-N-O-W, get it? No, Mads. Uh, And uh, I really like these tunes. Um, I'm going to play a song called Memories at this point. And then later on, uh, at the end of the podcast, I'll play the conversation out with a song called Better World. I really like both of them. This is The Nomads with a K-N, and the song is Memories. Feed the ground. How could I 
I forget Ain't no feelings of regret You've been with me every step Still I need you now That's sweet. You're going to hear in this episode, Brian and Patrick were out there generating memories uh, in their ride across the United States. Lots of them and some some really good ones. I hope you enjoy this this episode. Listen, uh, what's your time worth? Really, what's your time worth and your attention? Because those are the only two things that you've got that you cannot replenish. Those are the only two things you think about money, possessions, even friends, you can find new friends. You know, if you fuck up a friendship, I'm not, I'm not advocating this, but you know, worst case scenario, you fuck shit up, whatever you have some temporary insanity. You can find other friends. You can even find other, uh, you know, everything's replaceable in life. You can't find new family, I guess, but I don't know. You can marry into a family, uh, but time and attention, that's all you got. You're never going to get more of that. So you got to be real careful how you spend it. And uh, not to guilt trip anybody, but if you're spending an hour or two a week on this podcast, that's a lot of time. That's a big piece of your life. And I really appreciate that. I, I'm gratified by that. I'm touched and I'm honored by it. But if you're doing that and you've got some extra cash, you might want to think about throwing some money into the podcast to support it and keep it commercial free. Because to me, the whole point of this thing is no bullshit. Like people contact me all the time. They want to come on here. They want to sell their new book. They want to talk about their online course. They, you know, whatever, we do a co-promotion thing. And, you know, there's all these like, slick fucking plans everybody's got. And I don't blame anybody. You know, you got to make a living. Everybody's trying to make a living. And everybody's trying to find a way to monetize their online presence in some way and uh you know i'm no different but the way i'm trying to monetize this is by being straight up honest with you and just telling you this is this is what i'm doing i don't want to do it with ads i don't want to be telling you about fucking squarespace and my package underwear and you know stamps.com and whatever the fuck else is all these people who are sponsoring podcasts now it's become big business and as my audience has grown the amount of money i could make by selling out to those folks has been increasing steadily um but i don't want to do that and in fact i think that one of the reasons the audience for this podcast has grown is because you don't want me to do that either you don't like that shit. I don't like that shit. I listen to these guys with huge audiences and they spend 15 minutes selling bullshit. And I'm thinking, why are you doing that? You don't really need that money. You know, I, I don't, it just feels humiliating and weird. Anyway, if you like the no bullshit, no advertising podcast, please consider supporting this directly. 
And that makes it a lot easier. Uh, and it shows me that you really value the way that I've decided to do this. Um, so the way you can support the podcast, as you know, is through Amazon affiliate shit. Go through my webpage, thatchrisryan.com or chrisryanphd.com or tangentiallyspeaking.com. They all take you to the same place. And you see that Amazon ad on the right side, click on that, bookmark that landing page where you show up on Amazon with my little code embedded in there somewhere. And, uh, and then use that and five to 8% of whatever you spend will be tossed in my direction. And that will support the podcast alternatively or additionally, if you're feeling like it, you can go to patreon.com search Chris Ryan or tangentially speaking, you'll see my page. You'll see my lame ass little video that I made a long time ago in Portland. Um, and, uh, you know, talking about what, what this is and you can, uh, choose a bonus level where you'll get like a t-shirt or a signed book, or I'll scream your name next time I come or whatever the, diff- I forget what the different bonuses are, but there's some pretty ridiculous ones in there. I think one of them is I'll name my child after you if I have a child, which don't hold your fucking breath on that one. But um, yeah, you can support the podcast through patreon.com as well. I mean, if everybody who listened to this podcast contributed a dollar a month, I'd be rolling in money. I'd be like drinking Cristal and hanging out with Snoop and Snoop, whatever he is now, Snoop Lion or Dog or Doggy Dog, or I don't remember what the fuck he is at this point. I, I mean, I'd be driving a fucking Bentley, smoking cigars, snorting coke off hookers' asses. I'd be living the fucking life. I'm not. And that's a quarter an episode, right? A dollar a month is 25 fucking cents an episode. You're spending an hour and a half, two hours of your life on this shit every week. Throw me a buck, man. Anyway. All right. Enough about the money. What else? Uh, my buddy, Aaron, (laughs) my buddy, Aaron, that's funny. Aaron's a woman. Uh, but she's kind of like a buddy now, you know, she is. If, if I guess a woman can be your buddy, right? Why not? Anyway, my buddy, Aaron is, uh, she's sort of in between, lives at the moment. She quit her job and uh, she's generating mm, sort of freelance gigs so that she can go travel the world and be a digital nomad. And uh, But she's on the West Coast of the U.S. right now in San Francisco at the moment, in L.A. sometimes, in San Diego sometimes. And she's um, she does really good work with nonprofit organizations. And She's house sitting for people and she doesn't want to get an apartment because she's getting stuff set up so she can leave. So she's sort of looking for temporary housing situations. And uh, I told her I'd throw it out on the podcast. So if if any of you are on the West Coast of the United States and your house or apartment is going to be empty and you need someone to watch your cats or to water your plants or to just be there so that ne'er do wells don't break in and steal all your shit. Uh, I can personally vouch for this woman. She will take care of stuff. She will not uh, have wild parties where people piss in your bathtub or, um, you know, 
fuck your dogs or any of those other things that you don't want to happen. She's a responsible young lady who is so responsible that I think of her as my buddy. So if uh, if you got a place that you want to uh, make available for her in the next few months, uh, drop me an email uh, through the website. Uh, you'll see a contact form there. And just in the subject, put like, uh, you know, your buddy Aaron or house sitting or some shit like that. And I'll pass that on to her. Thank you. I personal, as I say, I personally vouch for her. She's a, a very close friend. Uh, what else? All right. I've turned into, if it's possible and possible, maybe it isn't, but I kind of feel like I might be more of an asshole than ever from some perspectives because I've come to a point in my life where I, 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 maybe I'm growing up. Maybe that's it. I'm finally fucking growing up. I'm turning 55 in a couple of weeks. And, uh, so maybe it's time to grow up, Chris, but I, I, I'm realizing that I think there are three stages of maturity, at least in my life. I've moved through three stages of maturity. The first stage, which roughly corresponded to my twenties, was, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm just trying to like, you know, keep my head above water and, and t- you know, all the shit's coming at me so fast. I'm just trying to take it all in. And then the second phase, which probably roughly corresponds to my 30s and 40s, is, um, okay, I've seen this before. I know how this is going to end. I know what happens here. I know this kind of person. I know this situation. I've seen this something like this before. Maybe not exactly like it, but pretty close. And yeah, I remember how this goes, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe it's different this time. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe this person's different. I shouldn't assume, uh, whatever. And so it's like, yeah, I kind of see it coming, but uh, I'll just, I'll wing it and let, you know, we'll let it happen anyway. And then the third phase, which I've entered recently is, yeah, I see it coming and I don't want to go through that again. And so I'm just going to like step aside and just avoid this fucking situation. So I don't know that. So I think I come across as a real prick to some people um, because I kind of see things. I see patterns. I see warning signs, you know, different alarms go off and there are alarms where I used to just like sort of, eh, that's probably a false alarm. And I just press the button and, you know, it's like a snooze button on your alarm. You know, there's like a snooze button on your bullshit alarm. There's a snooze button on your, manipulation alarm there's a snooze button on your you know emotional distress alarm there and I've been hitting the snooze buttons for quite a while partly I don't know I guess I'm just you know hungry for experience so it's like and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt you know everybody's different you can't generalize about people and I don't know. I like in my thirties, I used to, I had a lot of relationships with women and I was very upfront about, Hey, you know, this is who I am. I'm not monogamous. And this is, you know, I'm not going to be your boyfriend. And, and you know, the women would be like, okay, I get it. That's cool. And then I don't know. And then a couple months in, you know, they'd start to develop feelings and they'd start to want more and they'd start to feel not all of them, but most of them. And so I kept coming up against this conundrum where it's like, well, 
you know, do I make a decision for her? Isn't that kind of insulting to, to say, I know what's best for you. And, um, you know, and then it's like, well, I don't know. I like her and I like, you know, having sex with her. I like being with her. So I don't want to cut it off. But then it, it went the same way, you know, again and again. And then so at a certain point, I guess I'm, I'm coming to the age now where it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not really making the decision for you. I'm making the decision for me that I don't want to be involved in that. You know, I mean, not necessarily the same kind of situation all the time, but it's a weird thing. So anyway, three phases. You don't see it coming, phase one. Phase two, you see it coming, but do very little or nothing to avoid it. And then phase three, you see it coming and you avoid it. You, you know, what did they say in Star Trek? You uh, execute evasive maneuvers or something like that. So I don't know. That's my little grain of wisdom for the week. That's pretty much all I've learned this week. Uh, I'm going to shut up now and let you get into this. By the way, the the t-shirt sale continues. I haven't mentioned it in a few episodes. And uh, my mother said, hey, people have stopped ordering t-shirts. Mention it again. So Julie says, remind the world that that t-shirt sale continues. So we got a bunch of shirts down at five bucks a shirt, eight bucks a shirt, depending on the style and the model and all that, um, because we're basically flushing out the garage of the models that people aren't ordering so many of so that we can free up space and then just get more of the ones that people like and try some new designs. And I was thinking there was a, what was the one I thought of the other day? Live well, then drop dead. What do you think? Would you order a shirt that said that? Live well, then drop dead. Because I think that's what I aspire to. Like, I don't want a long lingering illness. I want to live really well and then just fucking keel over. Um, and, you know, I think I've lived pretty well. So if you hear I've keeled over, um, you know, raise a raise a drink in my honor. Don't feel bad for me. Okay, that's enough of this. Brian and Patrick, their website is livehigh.org. Uh, check them out there. They've got a whole thing. They've got like this community set up uh, around living well and they don't say anything about dropping dead but i think that's probably they would be down with that uh they left from marshfield massachusetts they rode four thousand and six miles down through washington dc birmingham alabama up through kansas colorado into denver down through arizona and then into nevada and las vegas and into la where they sat down and chatted with me um with a woman whose name i don't remember she had one of these interesting sort of namaste kind of names the yoga name or something i can't remember her name but she's really cool and you'll hear her chime in occasionally but i don't think she was mic'd up so you'll hear, hear her in the distance um, she didn't do the ride. She was just kind of hanging. Uh, I think she's, I don't know, she's hanging with Brian or, or Patrick or somebody. I don't know what, what the deal was there. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this. Check out their website, um, livehigh.org. You can read all about their, uh, their cycle cycling thing there. And they've got videos. They had a drone with them. They would send up and they, like the drone would follow them and film them as they're cruising along. Pretty cool shit. Pretty, um, high end documentation of their adventure so livehigh.org 
Brian and Patrick, and I'm going to play you out, as I said before, with a tune called Better World by the same band, Nomads, K-N-O-W-M-A-D-S. Thank you, Quinn. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I will catch you in about a week. be this way for all my peoples in the struggle who got bills to pay i heard another young kid and got killed today and i can't understand the reason god i feel your pain while we sin and we blame it on the times we live we shouldn't have to work this hardest to be positive i don't want to hear you tell me that's the way it is because don't we all know yeah. the world should be better than this hey yo yeah. it's more than just a story that you watch on the news because if you think there ain't a problem then i'm talking to you like just the other day another kid got shot for his shoes they getting picked up for prison as they dropping from schools why they give us lack of options tax dollars for Troops, then got the nerve to turn around and ask what's wrong with the youth. Most of y'all stuck in the middle trying to offer a truce. Watch as they put up their hands, still the officer shoots. I'm done fighting these laws, done dealing with cops. I ain't done doing dirt, I'm just done getting caught. Couldn't do it for myself, but I could do it for pops. It's twice as hard to ask for help when you could use it a lot. But I'm so glad I listened when he said we needed to talk. Cause just a week after that, my boy Jay Weezy got locked. And now he's looking at 10, but get out who knows when. And so until that day, I'ma sing it again and again. I never knew that life would be this way for all my people's in the struggle who got bills to pay i heard another young kid and got killed today and i can't understand the reason god i feel your pain while we sinning and we blame it on the times we live we shouldn't have to work this hardest to be positive i don't want to hear you tell me that's the way it is because don't we all know the world should be better than this yeah somebody tell me what's the meaning of life when people sleeping on the streets god this shit isn't right you at the strip club throwing dollars making it rain right off a of skid row kids be putting h in their veins i got some friends who chasing money do the corporate thing but sort of lost the value to me because the morals have changed we on a cell phone scrolling for the fortune and fame feels like the best that we can hope for is more of the same plus the way they use religion god it hurts my soul to shame a woman for abortion or birth control when she can't afford a mortgage or put food in the stove and the housing scandal when it dug us deep in a hole now bury the truth beneath a pile of money another cop will pay leave without a trial or nothing uh blame the victim time to change the system i keep on praying for the day the world will finally listen come on i never knew that life would be this way for all my people's in the struggle who got bills to pay I heard another young kid and got killed today And I can't understand the reason God I feel your pain While we sinning and we blame it on the times we live We shouldn't have to work this hard to still be positive I don't want to hear you tell me that's the way it is Cause don't we all know the world should be better than this, yeah I'm sitting in my living room. This is the first podcast I've recorded here in my house. Wow. With Brian and Patrick and Ananda. Is that right? Huh? Anandi. 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 Uh, okay. So Brian and Patrick, Live High. Is that your website? Yeah. LiveHigh.org. Live High. Uh, so you guys have been driving across the country handing out weed. Is that what you're, is that what Live High is about? Some people definitely get confused by it. Yeah, certainly. Some people definitely get confused by it. We were wearing the shirts uh, Yosemite this summer and like there's people came up to us and they're like, yeah, liberals, live high. And I was like, okay, that's, 
they think it's about weed, but yeah, if they just took a second to go to the website, they would see that. Right. It's, so what uh, what is it? Where where did Live High come from? It's, re it's really all about following your passion and doing what you love. That's like right. the motto. Right. But Brian started the website. I think it originally started actually with cannabis in mind. Uh -huh. um, some guys had this shirt that said Live High on it. My friends were wearing the t-shirts. I, I thought it was a really cool logo. My buddy ended up buying the logo from his friends. It, it started as just this t-shirt company that these kids started right. in college that was called like Fourth Floor High. They just made shirts that said Live High. And then when my friend got the company, uh, we kind of rebranded it with this idea of just doing what you love, following your passion, you know, kind of just spreading love and kindness. Right. So that's the whole idea behind it now. And uh, it's kind of just for us, it's like telling stories, sharing stories that uplift and inspire people. Oh, right. Cool. And how did this become the cross country trip? Well, I kind of just felt like if you're going to, you know, that's going to be your message, you should do it, you know, you should live it. it. So we just kind of decided to go on an adventure together. Yeah. And were you guys in, I should tell listeners, you guys have just finished a trip from where, Boston, Cape Marshall, Cod? Marshall, Massachusetts, which is just south of Boston. To on the water. Santa Monica. To Santa Monica. Yeah, and you just dipped your tires in the Pacific Ocean yeah. uh, recently. So you're here in LA, so that's it. You're here in LA sort of celebrating the completion of this amazing trip across the country. How long did it take? 89 days 89 days and you were intense you said uh, a lot of the time we i mean we, yeah we were in tents anytime we couldn't find a host we just tented oh. basically oh so you stayed in people's houses yeah so basically cool. we wanted to meet people along the way that was the big thing is that right we wanted to learn about the country and all the different types of people in our country so we used warm showers couch surfing and then we also just like knocked on people's doors when we couldn't find the host. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, that must have been and, interesting. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, so warm showers, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically it's similar to couch surfing, hmm. um, where it's just touring cyclists who host other touring cyclists. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's basically like you have an app on your phone and you look at a map and there's just all pinpoints. So you can see people in your area and they'll have a profile or whatever. Right. And the cycling community is absolutely amazing. Like, it's just people who really get it, you know. Right. And they want to help you. Right. Because so, they've been on the other exactly. end of the deal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the whole idea behind it is that there's, you're really not supposed to be, like, freeloading. It's right. like, if you're, if you're going to use it, even if you don't have a place now, right. your intention should be that when I have an opportunity, I'm going to host cyclists right. as well. Right. Um, so we did that. And also couch surfing. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. But basically the same idea it's just people who want to host travelers um, so we used that website warm showers and then there are plenty of days where we just didn't have a host and we kind of just went up to doors and knocked and just said hey can we pitch a tent in your yard and occasionally we'd get invited in hmm. yeah part of our initiative for our documentary was also to rely on the kindness of strangers right so we wanted to see if it would actually work so right. Uh, sometimes we would mic, I would mic up Brian and I'd be filming from a distance and we would film the encounter and see if these people would actually let us camp on their lawns. Mm. And I'd say we were what, five for eight? In the beginning it was like, I think we started off like four for four or something like that. Yeah. And there's one time like North Carolina, we got our first no, where it was like a rainstorm, it was getting dark and this lady was like flabbergasted that we had like asked her to camp in her yard and she's like no one's ever asked us before and then she like thinks she's just like no <laughs> yeah, it was like she was like oh my god you guys are riding out here in the rain and we were just like yeah like can we please pitch a 10-year yard and she's just like oh um no 
was <laughs> <Just> like, okay. <laughs> really friendly, no. Yeah. Friendly, friendly country, like, no. She was so concerned about us. Like, yeah. she really genuinely felt bad, but she yeah. just, she didn't want to, she didn't want to. But the neighbor, we went two doors down to the neighbor and they said yes. So. Uh, that's cool. Huh. So, tell, what's the route? You went down the East Coast, it sounds like? Yeah, we wanted to first stay out of the cold because we kind of started our tour later than most people. Most people would do this like in the beginning of the spring or during the summer. And we were starting at the end of summer. So if we went straight across from Massachusetts, we would have been hitting cold pretty early. Yeah. So we went down the coast. We didn't start going west until like the Carolinas. Hmm. So South Carolina. Then we went across to Georgia and we started going west. Hmm. So you crossed the, what is that down there? Is that Smoky Mountains or something down there? Uh, we went through the Appalachian in uh, North Carolina. I don't oh. know about Smoky Mountains. Yeah, I'm not even sure where the Smoky Mountains are. Maybe that's in Arkansas. I don't know. I'm sure someone will send me an email telling me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to the Smoky Mountains. I hear they're beautiful. Uh, all right, so you go down uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, then you cut west from there. And what time of year was that? Uh, I think we hit South Carolina. It was like the end of uh, September, beginning of October. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, we just really wanted to get down into the south, you know, like, we didn't really want to go up the northern states. We kind of wanted to see like what it was like through all these red states. Right. And uh, some of the states that I actually hadn't been through, and and he really hasn't been through most of the states. Right. So, for and this is election season, so exactly, it's yeah. a big deal. What's a red state? What's a blue state? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a very interesting time across the country. Yeah. Yeah, this was big for me too because I just graduated college and I grew. I I spent 18 years living in Boston, and I didn't really travel much. So. Mm. I mean, occasionally I go skiing up in New Hampshire, but like right. I didn't really have a a great perspective on what the country was like and right. what traveling was like. So um, it definitely gave me a lot of perspective in terms of like the the diversity in the country. Yeah. So how how do you view it differently now? I mean, this is a big question, but like, what do you know about America now that you didn't know five months ago? I just didn't. I feel like based on the divide it was all stereotypes for me. Like right. I didn't, re like people down south are just super religious and like, but actually seeing that and going through it and seeing some of these poor areas and in different, um, in different states, you could really see the divide. Yeah. And you mean the divide north-south or rich, poor, or black, white? Rich, poor, black, white, all of it. Uh, yeah, all those, definitely. Yeah. And, me and meeting these people, like meeting uh, even like one of our hosts down south was a, a woman who's like a, a hardcore Trump supporter and like very religious and it was just interesting and she hosted us inside of her home and it was just interesting to kind of like break bread with right. someone like that, you know? Yeah. Did you guys talk a lot of politics or did you try to avoid it? At first we tried to avoid it kind of, we tried to f ask more questions that were just showed people's humanity instead of trying to get into like opinions on this or that because we right. felt like that might kind of uh separate us from you know right. we want to feel like we wanted to connect with people right and uh but but sometimes it just came up you know like and if it came up and we felt that it was someone that we could have a discussion with and not offend then we kind of went into politics a little bit right yeah. yeah so and you're filming the whole way yeah we well we were on snapchat the whole way so we were doing daily update vlogs right um like in the moment on the road and then we had like six cameras we had a drone following us while we were riding. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> you guys are yeah, he had, he had the drone on his back, and uh, we would just take it out whenever we had like really nice views, and we'd put it up, and it has a follow me mode. Oh, so we'd be riding sweet. with the drone behind us. Wow, 
Yeah, That's and nice. then basically any host that we'd stay with, if we had the time, we would sit down and do like an hour interview with them and right. kind of just talk about all kinds of things. It was very conversational, sort of like this. It wasn't like, I asked you a question, now you answer. Right. It was just kind of like shooting the shit. See where it whatever. goes, yeah. right. Yeah. Did you find most people were open to that? And you'd get people like, ooh, no cameras. I think I think the whole thing was was you don't enter someone's home and say, hey, can we do an interview on you? We're making a film. We, right. we would break bread with them. We would make them feel comfortable. And then we would tell them what we're doing, that we're, make, we're filmmakers, you know, make, looking to make a documentary. And by the end, I think most people we asked were pretty comfortable to sit mm. down and have a, have a conversation. Right. Yeah, maybe the next morning before you leave or something, give them a chance to That's know. That's how you. it was. I mean, there were some times where, like, we missed an interview and we wish we could have gotten it. Like right. there was one day in Arkansas where we had nowhere to stay and we pulled up at a gas station. We just finished like a 70 mile day and we're looking on the phone for like baseball fields where like, or churches, firehouses, those are like good places to camp. Um, so we're like looking in this tiny little town and this guy rolls up and he sees the sign on the back of my bike that says Massachusetts to California. And he just starts asking us questions like, oh, where are you guys going tonight? And Pat says, oh, I'm looking for a place to camp. Do you know anything around here? And he, he was like, oh, I have a bachelor pad a mile down the road. Like you guys are welcome to come stay with me. I have two extra rooms. Just randomly at a gas station. Mm. So we end up going, and it was the night of one of the debates. Mm. So we're sitting there watching the debate with this guy from Arkansas. We just met at a gas station. Gun, thinking, like, guns on yeah. the wall. And he's showing us like all this cool stuff in his house. It's like a real like man pad, uh, but he had to work at like five in the morning. Uh, so it was like that night, and we just we didn't get an interview with him. Uh, yeah. Those are the times where you're like, man, I wish you could have got that, but yeah. it's just the way it works. Sometimes. That's cool. That's another thing too that I noticed was very different, like. Some of my friends think I'm crazy for doing, for, or think we're crazy for doing something like that. Like, oh, you just went into some stranger's home you met at the gas station. But like, one of the most things I've learned about this entire trip is that there's more good people out there than bad people. And you don't just, you just don't necessarily hear about the good people on the news mm. or in the media. And yeah. it taught me to just trust people. You right. know, I trust, generally people are good right. rather than bad. Yeah, that's that's the main thing I learned traveling as well. I kind of feel like my whole life from the time I left school and sort of hit the road was chipping away at this uh, huge wall of fear that the culture builds around us, you know, teaching us to be afraid of everything, be afraid of nature, be afraid of animals, be afraid of strangers, every, you know, be afraid of dying, be afraid of fucking everything, you know, and what's that do? It stops you living, you know, it stops you trusting people. And most, as you say, most of them are just cool you know and even people who are bad quote bad people they're mostly scared people or they're hurt damaged people they're not necessarily even bad people you know it's like i don't know a dog that's going to bite you it wasn't born a bad dog it wasn't born wanting to bite somebody it's it got abused you know yeah which strange even even like when i was well you probably know i was in prison in alaska for a little while and even there it's like you know, typically bad people, they really, you know, they did something that, but they weren't looking to hurt anybody, you know, they were just, it's weird how we, we judge people by their worst moment, you know, somebody fucks up and it's like, oh, he's a criminal for life. Anyway, I don't want to rant. The thing is that that's you in, in, in some moments of your life too, you know, like if you think about yourself and some oh, of your worst yeah. moments and if people only saw that version of you, right. it's like you're that criminal or you're that bad person. You right. Know? Yeah. You get a label. Yeah. But then our heroes, like we judge them by the best moment, right? And then when they screw up, 
Just let it slide. <laughs> yeah. Let it slide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's strange. Anyway, so, okay, I, just to get a mental picture of this, you go down the East Coast, then you cut across the South, you hit like Alabama, Mississippi, the, yep. the whole. In that area, yeah. Were you Alabama, going along Mississippi, the, Arkansas, Louisiana, and then into Texas. Were you going along the coast or? No, or? no, we didn't get down that far. We, uh, we ended up through like Northern Georgia. And the reason why, we we're going to go through Atlanta, but uh, our social media really helped us. Uh, we had a family that reached out to us that found us on Facebook. And they had like five boys and they wanted to show, they were aged like three to 13, I think it was. And they wanted to show their sons, like two brothers doing something together. So they invited us no shit, to come stay at their cool. house. And we stayed there for a couple of days and like yeah, nice. showed them the drone. They loved it. Yeah. And uh, basically just got to break bread with this family, which was awesome. Right. And that kind of basically set us for the line that we took. Cause that like, that was like, okay, we have a host here, so we'll go directly there. And then we just kind of take the most direct route from there. And you're on two lane highways, I guess? Um, it kind of varied. Like when we went through Mississippi, yeah, it was, a, it was a two lane highway. It was like 82 or 84 or something like that. Yeah. But then we ended up on the interstate when we got out west, like 40. Oh, really? We got kicked off the interstate a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. By a cop? Yeah. In LA. On I-15. I- <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Welcome back to civilization. Yeah. 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 He comes up on the loudspeaker behind me and he's just like, get off, get off the next. He literally stops five lanes of traffic on I-15. What? It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Gets on the loudspeaker. He's like, I mean, he's like a half a mile ahead of me. He's like, get off, get off the next exit. Then he's passing the exit. He goes up, <laughs> speeds up, t- yells at my brother, tells him to turn around. And the cars are all still sitting there. And he wouldn't let any, any cars go until we got off. And so I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to get a ticket. And he's like, we'll be getting tons of calls about you guys. Like, we get another call. You're going to jail. <laughs> and then we get off the exit. And the guy's just like, all right, ride safe. Then nothing. Did, then did you get back on? Or did no, you no, we didn't route? get back on. At yeah. that point, I think we were only like, what, like 30, 40 miles away from Santa Monica. We just rode the back roads. But the, the yeah. problem was, is when we got into California, we didn't know anything about the terrain so we're up in the high desert and like it's pretty tough to get down like through these these mountain passes like into the city and even like uh, experienced cyclists that we talked to didn't really know what the best route was mm. and then he was getting really sick of dirt roads because he has pretty thin tires yeah. and he's just like let's just get on the freeway like we know that's going to take us there <laughs> so we just draft just a semi or something and honestly it is it is pretty dangerous because you have these like 65 mile per hour merges where yeah. like traffic is coming on so if you're coming down and you don't realize that the merge is there you're going to end up in a in a lane on the highway right because you got to cross over that merge to get back on the shoulder right right so that's the most dangerous part i think yeah, yeah. definitely yeah crazy so uh accidents any major medical shit happen uh yeah actually yeah. <laughs> yeah when we were it was funny because brian's always on snapchat he's always filming everything and he's really good at capturing as a documentarian he's really good at capturing the moments but uh when we were in um what was the town in texas abilene oh abilene abilene texas um we were they were doing a news story on us this girl i met from college was doing a news story on us and we were driving down the road and in her car coming from the bike shop and we got t-boned by this huge pickup truck and we did three like two 360s spun around i had glass on my face like yeah we had to go to the emergency room and like brian just like gets out of the car and he's snapchatting the whole thing i'm like like we're like we were okay he was okay i was like i'm fine like but uh he's snapchatting the whole thing but we had to like 
um, call call our family and be like, no, don't worry, we're like, we're all right. Like, right, because it was all yeah. up already. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's just the irony of it. You, you know, you ride your bike across <laughs> yeah, well, the country, you get in a car accident. Yeah. And so you, people think when you're getting in an accident like that, we were on our bikes getting hit by a car. Right, so right. we had to clarify, like, no, we were in a car, we're all right. But, wow. So nothing happened when you were on the bikes? Not really. I actually got a pretty bad cut on my ankle that's healing up pretty good now, mm. but it was bleeding pretty bad. Like, I had... Um, low air in my tire one day and he him and my friend who actually came and joined us were like eight miles ahead of me and he's the mechanic so he changes flats and I'm like my tire keeps going down so it means I have like a little hole in the tube and I go to change it and I have 80 pounds on my bike so when I went to change it I was pulling it down and the gear went straight into my ankle wow. it was like a waterfall of blood just coming out and luckily his girlfriend packed a first aid kit and I like went in and just wrapped it up like right away right but I had to like change my flat with this thing bleeding well, they were way ahead of me. And this is a day with like a ton of wind. So yeah. like eight to 10 miles would have cost us like an hour and a half at least of him coming back to change my tire. Oh, right. So I'm right. sitting there like bleeding out of my ankle, just hoping it's not like an artery. And were you crying a little bit? A little weeping. I remember when I when I called you, I, I could hear you. I could hear you crying. I was weeping a little bit. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> He's going, I don't know how to change this time. It's not fair. Is, like, when that happens to you in the moment, you're on the side of the highway yeah. in the middle of New Mexico, in the middle of nowhere. And you're yeah. thinking like, geez, if I pass out, like, I could have yeah. bleed to death. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, I have these cars going 80 past me and like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I mean, I also think it's interesting because like, he may have needed stitches, but we didn't get them because he didn't want to get charged like four thousand dollars just <laughs> yeah. to get some stitches like american medical yeah, yeah yeah which is interesting because i don't know, tell that you could tell the story about your uh so you guys don't have health insurance well, uh, i do now but it, oh. i didn't have health insurance and i dislocated yeah. my shoulder and i went into the uh, hospital in nevada and they gave me a percocet made me wait four hours in the waiting room popped it back in they did an x-ray even though i was like look it's dislocated i know it's dislocated and then i get a bill in the mail for seven thousand dollars because i didn't have health insurance at the time you know, and it's like, uh, and I, I did the same thing in Nicaragua yeah. on a moped, and uh, I was in the middle of nowhere on this island in this little village, and the village doctor, like, sat me down and popped it back in, like, right away, and then I tried to pay, and they wouldn't take any money. Yeah. And I'm like, what is it? Like, obviously, the, our healthcare system is better in terms of, like, the actual care. But, but not, like, for, system, not for a dislocated exactly, shoulder. Exactly, yeah. It's like... He just looked at me and was like, this guy needs help, I'm going to help him. Yeah. There, I was just a number, and they made me fill out my information like with a dislocated shoulder, right. like saying that I would pay whatever it was with my social security number and everything. Right. I'm like, this is messed up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've heard me rant about that shit yeah, enough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so medical, it sounds like you guys got off pretty, pretty good medical-wise. You didn't get hit by any cars, no dogs <laughs> attacked you or anything? They tried. We had a couple of close calls with the dogs. They, the like, these is... southern dogs will just chase you for like a mile down the road. And we're just like, the best thing to do is just start talking to them like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Like, yeah, that was the trick we learned is just pretend like it's your dog. And then they kind of look confused like, do I know you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so what else? What, you, how much social media did you guys have when you left? It was, I mean, was this whole no, plan, like, like we're going to uh, get no. people to watch this and like send us money? And, like, Basically, the way the whole thing started was my co our cousin did this trip like uh, three years ago. Okay. He rode his bike across the country. We didn't even, like, when, when my uncle told us that 
our cousin did it. I was like, what? Like, you can ride a bicycle across the United yeah. States? Like, I didn't even know it was a thing. Apparently, mm. a lot of people actually do do this. Mm. And it's not crazy at all within the cycling community. And there's not, like, a, a route that people take. No, you there get, is. Everyone there's just the, figures the Trans-America Trail is really popular. It's, oh, like, okay. from Oregon to Virginia. Uh, um, right. We actually stayed with a guy who did that trip. He was one of the first warm showers hosts we stayed with in North Carolina. Uh. Um, but anyway, we our cousin did it. And we kind of been loosely talking about it. Like, wow, it's really cool. It's really inspiring. Like, he just did it. He did it by himself, too. Right. And uh, and Pat just had just graduated. And, like, we've been talking about it for a couple of years at this point. And then he's like, man, I want to do something before I just get in that, like, 9 to 5 grind. Right. And so I was like, right. all right. He actually interned with the Olympics in August. So we had to wait for yeah. that to end. And then right when that ended, we were like, okay, let's plan this. And, like, we took, like, 10 days. And then we just, like, went with no experience and nothing. And uh, so yeah, we happened. didn't even train. Yeah, we, <laughs> didn't, we didn't train at all. Train. And part of, part of it was also like a sign to me that, like, because we've been talking about it, and then I was traveling with her in Guatemala, and I met this family. It was a guy, his wife, and his two kids, eight and eleven years old, and they had been on bicycles for eleven months, and they started in Quebec. What? And they rode and all the way to Central America. They finished in, in uh, Costa Rica. Uh-huh. It was an eleven month trip, and I do for the Live High side. I do these little uh, videos, like two to three minute videos of just people who do stuff they're passionate about. Right. They're like little profiles, and so I profiled this guy. And I, um, she captured a lot of the stuff with the little girl, and I interviewed the little son. I made this like three minute video, and I posted it maybe like a week before we left, and it got like a half a million views. Mm. And so that kind of like drew people to our page. Right. And that's like how the family found us that hosted us in Georgia. Oh, and so the social nice. media, like, it was like perfect timing. Right. Like a bunch of just random people from the internet started like liking our page. And then we were advertising the Snapchat too. Uh-huh. And it was on the back of the bike. So then pe- people could like who drove by us would like take pictures of us and be like oh, saw you here and like good go, luck oh nice yeah. nice so they could post it so yeah. that, this, it could, fa- this family's called the conks they just they sold their home bought bicycles and just cycled from quebec to costa rica and with yeah, an eight crazy. with an eight and an 11 year old yeah, the eight-year-old started on a tandem like in the beginning she was cycling i think with the father or the mother on one bike and then she got on her own bike and they did like 30 miles a day that's crazy yeah and wow. it was more just like he was a teacher or he's the teacher and, and they gave him like a year leave like paid leave yeah and he basically just took the kids around and like they stayed in a lot of warm showers just like we did they camped a bunch and he just basically wanted to show his kids like a different perspective see life. the world yeah exactly that's incredible have you guys seen a film called Surfwise? you ever heard of that no it's a it's a really interesting documentary about a guy who he was a doctor and um he had the, he was it was bizarre. He's like a surfer in Hawaii, and something happened at work. He didn't get a promotion he was expecting or something, and he was just like fuck it, and he quit, and he went to Israel. And this is like in the late fifties, early sixties, I think, and um, he took his surfboard to Israel, and no one had ever surfed in Israel before, and so there was this dude surfing. And all these Israelis were like, what the fuck, man? And so then he became like the, the godfather of Israeli surf and, you know, taught a bunch of people how to surf. And he wanted to go into the desert for 80 days and 80 nights. I remember he had some vision. He was going to go be like Jesus. And he had a vision in the desert. He saw this um, Latin American woman that he was going to marry. And they were going to have eight kids, right? So then he came back to the U.S. and he was, I think he was in California, and he was in a Mexican restaurant, and there was this big family eating at this table, and he looked, he saw this woman, it's like, that's her. And he got up and he walked over. Imagine this woman sitting there with her, like her mom and dad and all her brothers and sisters, and he's like, 
you're going to be my wife and we're going to have eight kids together. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck are you, man? And they did. And then they, uh, they had these kids in a van, in a camper. And they just drove all around the West Coast, up and down the West Coast. And the kids never went to school. And he was just like, you're going to learn everything you need to know, being in the ocean, surfing. And it's a really interesting movie. In fact, I think it was probably the inspiration for this movie that just came out called Captain Fantastic. That's a fiction film? Yeah, that's a feature but film. But this was a documentary. This was a documentary. But I think the I wouldn't be surprised if the writers of Captain Fantastic uh, based it on Surfwise, because there's some similarities. The father's like really charismatic, but also a little nutty. And so the kids, they're different. You gotta be, right, to do that? You gotta be, yeah. You know, and it's like, uh, you know, on one level, yeah. And this is one reason I don't have kids, is like, if you don't really respect the culture you're in, you've got this conundrum where you're like, well, do I want to teach my kids how to thrive in this culture? Or do I want to teach them the things I actually believe, which aren't going to help them thrive in this culture? You know, the things that I believe are true. It's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough call, you know, because you can learn to play the game. But if the game is bullshit, then, then what's that? Yeah, it's easier just to be ignorant of all that and just shoot out kids. Like. <laughs> exactly. There's no conundrum. Just yeah. pop them out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're the older brother, right? Yeah. Okay. How, Sometimes people finally yeah. someone knows. <laughs> the old people always ask, and then he's always like, "They're just being polite." Because like he's shaved today, so he looks. I've, uh, I, bet you, yeah, I really I wonder what you would have said if he had like a beard. Like well, no, it's mostly because you mentioned that Patrick just finished college, yeah, so I okay, figured you'd sense. finished yeah. earlier. Yeah. How someone much older? recently said they're like they thought he was more mature, and I was like, yeah. I was like, I'll take that. Or yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you are the mechanic. You know, you weren't yeah. you weren't whining and crying when your tire went flat, were you? That's true, yeah. You knew what to do. <laughs> I rolled a tent up, which is not a fun job. Oh, either. that's you're yeah. the tent roller. I'm the tent guy. That's yeah. a big job. Yeah. yeah. That's that. That's honestly been the worst part about the trip is after cycling sixty to seventy miles a day, and just we pretty much would just go right to bed, but just waking up, not having showered, and being mm. all like that dry sweat feeling, and yeah. just knowing you gotta roll up the tent, pack the bikes, and yeah. do 60 to 70 more. That was the hardest part. So why were you riding so hard? Why not do 40 and, and you know, drink more beer? Um, I mean, we were a bit, on, we were kind of on a time crunch because most of our time off was spent doing editing, filming stuff, interviewing people. Mm. So I mean, we were trying to get back by Christmas, which is uh, yeah. uh, It's also getting cold. Once we got to northern Arizona, it was a mess. It was pretty cold. We were camping in like 29 degree weather. Yeah. You're yeah. also on the road not working for a while. He's got the student loans kicking in in a couple months, you know, he just finished so you I gotta pay for your shoulder dislocation that too yeah so i think there's there's a little pressure on him to get back he's trying to move to new york uh, and start working in the industry and stuff which and industry porn yeah porn yeah i can hook you up great industry i can hook you up yeah but yeah he, and he also has a girlfriend who's there who's kind of been away from from been away from for three months so a little bit of that too that'll make you ride hard yeah yeah <laughs> so to speak yeah. yeah no i'm definitely excited to get back and see her <laughs> yeah poor girl she has no idea what's coming yeah it's funny i interviewed her before because uh -huh. um, she lives in new york and we actually stayed with her like the third day uh -huh. and uh yeah he went she lives down in battery park and so i set up a nice interview and he like went away and i just got like the whole spiel and she was like in the beginning i think like uh wasn't a wasn't a big fan of the trip 
But uh, one thing that she said, I remember in the interview that I really liked, she said like, um, a part of the reason I love Pat is because he's a dreamer and mm. I'm a dreamer too. And mm. I realized that for me to keep him from his dreams wouldn't be fair. Mm. So she's been like really good about it. Yeah, since that's then. great. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So what, what industry you want to get into? The film industry. Film. Yeah. So you, you're, you wanted to do documentaries before you did this project? No, I actually, my dream is to do um, narrative films. I really want to be mm. a narrative film director, but just breaking in is so difficult. Uh, when I graduated college, I did my senior thesis film. And uh, Brian actually made a documentary when he graduated. And when he saw my film, it kind of just like felt like a good time for us to like make a film together. So you both have degrees in yeah. filmmaking? Yeah. yeah, mine's more geared towards documentary. My, my program is called Television Radio, and it was more focused like on the journalism side of things. Did you go to the same school? No, I went to Ithaca. He went to Hofstra. Oh. Yeah, but I could always foresee Ithaca. us doing yeah. something together. Yeah, lots of lesbians. Yeah, 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 it's very gay-friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I went to college right near there. Oh, I, I went to Hobart right Oh, okay. Yeah. And my best friend went to uh, Cornell, and I had a friend at Ithaca yeah. as well. Awesome but, place. I love it there. Oh, man, yeah. the Finger Lakes. Right? Yeah, oh, it's so, so beautiful up there. Uh, like, yeah. you know, half my, the first half of my uh, hallucinogen experiences yeah. were all around there somewhere. Yeah, you and Carl Sagan. Oh, yeah? He, did he corn, trip? Yeah. I actually don't know if he did. I know I, he I took. He I know did. he smoked weed. Yeah, I'm not really sure about the mushrooms, yeah. but I, I mean, him but and his wife, Cornell. Where, yeah. yeah, Cornell. His uh, wife still lives up there. I listened to a podcast. She was on like Star Talk or something recently. Yeah, she's it, still there. He was married twice, wasn't he? I'm not sure. Are you talking about the biologist? Um, she told their love story too. I um, like, forget though. Shit, what's her name? Uh, she, I, I had a guy on this podcast who had studied with her. She's a very famous um, evolutionary biologist, and the guy, he actually, the guy who studied with her is a gay porn star, Connor Habib. Oh, he was on Duncan's podcast. Yeah, he's yeah, funny, he's yeah. been on Duncan's a few times, and and I think twice on my. Um, but he was like in a graduate program doing evolutionary biology and was working with her, which is like really, you know, big deal. And then he got into doing some porn stuff because uh, to pay for school. And he was making so much money. He's like, well, you know, do I really want to like teach and yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I forget. Is he actually gay or he just does the... No, he's gay. He's gay. Okay. Because yeah. I know a lot of gay porn stars are, are not gay, right? They just do it for the cash? I don't know. I feel like they might be gay. <laughs> like, you can't... They're, they're doing it and they're just like, no, yeah, I, but who likes I their job? Uh, <laughs> I feel like they're actually more money. Better than right? punching a clock. <laughs> Isn't there more money in gay porn than regular porn? For men. For men, for probably, men. yeah. So I feel like I've heard yeah. this. I don't know. There is, but I just have the feeling that in order to actually do that, you gotta be at least bisexual you know, yeah like gay yeah maybe or like, just like bi-curious it just you know, open enough sexually to be like hey I, I can do this yeah yeah i had a guy on the podcast reed mahalko who told this really funny story about uh he's from rhode island i think and he has a couple brothers and they're all like big dudes and they're all on the football team and all these macho you know kind of guys and uh when he went to i don't know if he went to brown or somewhere around there and uh He's looking for money, and he got a job as a stripper in a in a gay strip club. And he wasn't gay. And he's like, "Yeah, I can dance, and I don't give a shit. And like, you know, whatever. These guys are into me. It doesn't bother me." And then, uh, and so he's he was working there, and he kept thinking, like, "Well, you know, my parents are so cool that they raised me to be like 
open-minded and like you were saying like yeah i can i can roll whatever and then one night uh they he he and this other guy were offered a like a private gig at some guy's birthday party and he went to that and then um and you know and then there's like well we'll pay you 500 bucks extra if you guys you know i don't know suck each other's dicks or something and it's like yeah I'm fine. all right whatever and he's sucking the guy's dick and he's thinking my parents really <laughs> raised me right like i'm so open-minded it doesn't really bother me and then at some point in the night he's like geez maybe this isn't about my parents maybe i'm bi like oh wait maybe that's what it is so yeah you should go back to the archives people he tells the story better than i did but it's just, I, I like the transition from like, my parents raised me right to, uh, oh, well, maybe I'm bi. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Reed, so how the hell did we get onto that? Where were we? <laughs> we went from like biking injuries to yeah, like gay porn pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so wait, narrative film. So you want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. And do you want to be a documentary filmmaker? Is this. I just, uh, yes, but more than anything, I just want to be a storyteller. And I feel oh, like in today, right. today's day and age, like everyone has ADD and getting someone to sit down for 90 minutes right. is tough. So I feel more, I just want to find good stories and tell them. And whatever medium it consists of is, you know, video, even writing, really. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with uh, social media these days, you can just be making posts and get a following and, and inspire people and tell a good story so right i mean ideally yeah it'd be nice to produce feature-length films or shorts or whatever but uh i think just creating good content you know on the internet uh, social media is what i'm mostly right. geared towards and have you guys been able to monetize this trip in any way um no there really hasn't been any monetization we had a uh we, we re did raise some funds um because we we actually uh one of the, the initiatives of this too in addition to just following your passion adventure doing what you love is that we really wanted to inspire kids um, and kind of right. we connected with a second and a fourth grade class. Our mother's a second grade teacher mm. and uh, her class and a fourth grade class, they have this thing called Big Friends, Little Friends and they get together and we went in and like met the kids and filmed with them and they were like, they've been cheering us on the whole time so they sent mm. us videos every day like, you can do it. Oh, really? Yeah, and, <laughs> and we, cool. we Skype with them like every week or so. Uh, yeah, they get to ask us questions and we'll like, we'll just answer them. Like one of the funniest questions too is like, do you guys ever argue? <laughs> we're just like, yeah, we're brothers. So yeah. I mean, you spend t if you spend three months with anybody. I mean, yeah. Not only are we brothers, but we've been constantly together. For Is that why you were a mile so. and a half ahead when when he hurt himself? He's uh, actually yeah, he he's carrying like fifty pounds. I'm carrying like eighty pounds. So uh, right. and he's got the road bike tires. I got more like thicker tires. Yeah. Uh. But uh, yeah, and, and so with that, we, we had the kids following us, but then also we, uh, we connected with the local Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. And we raised money um, for that, basically to send kids that can't afford to go to the club. So anyone who was following along, we had like an Indiegogo. Ah, cool. And so we raised a little bit of funds that way. And then, uh, I mean, ideally we'd like to monetize the blog. Like it's a, it started as an apparel company. So like he's got the hat on there. Like we have t-shirts, hats, um, and uh, so there's a store aspect of it, but it's really more about just creating inspiring content, just kind of putting the message out of, you know, just do what you love, like follow your passion. Right. And, uh, do you ever come close to giving up? Um, in terms of the, the ride? Oh, oh, the ride. Was there a night where you're just like, fuck this. Yeah. Honestly, my ass hurts. This is what happened on the, fr so Brian and I released a video, uh, that started off by saying, hi, I'm Brian and I'm Pat and we're brothers and we're going to ride our bikes across the country. And it got about 7,000 views on Facebook and all our friends like knew that we were doing it. And on the first day, 
20 miles in, Brian gets a flat tire. And he was talking about how his goal for, throughout the entire trip was to knock out a flat tire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 20 miles in, and neither of us know how to change a flat tire, not to mention that it's 90 degrees out, we have heat stroke, we haven't trained at all. This we is just, Massachusetts at the end of the summer, so like you're talking, uh, you're still in that August humid. Yeah. This is day one. So like I literally, we had to stop for a while, like I, my face was beat red. I had too much weight on my bike at that point too. Right. I had more than 80 pounds. Right. And I just have a flat. And I'm I'm sitting there he's pretty he gets in the moment sometimes he gets pretty mad i'm thinking and he has to change the tire too and i'm like well this would be a so wait, how come you never learned to change a fucking tire what's well, up well, with that right, so what happened he was doesn't we, even know how to cook an egg <laughs> I, I, yeah. well we went we went into the bike shop and they showed us how to do it but we were like filming it too uh -huh. and you don't really learn to do something until you literally like uh -huh. they showed me i had an idea in my head like okay this is how you change the tire right but i didn't have to physically take the tire physically put the chain like find right. the tube whatever and so the first time we were like looking up YouTube videos and we just kind of decided, yeah. they're like, yeah, one of you guys is going to have to be the mechanic. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like he flies the He's drone. He's like, I bought the drone, you carry the drone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, I roll the well. tent, you, you fix the flat tires. So we had our own job. The thing is, he's fixing the flat and I'm like, I'm thinking in my head like, okay, like this sucks. We're on the site, like, this is really tough, but it's also a great opportunity to like tell the story here. So I take out the camera and uh, he gets oh like God. even more mad. He's like, will you help me instead of like- I'm, I'm like pumped up trying to figure this thing out. And he's just like, so we go to flat. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, he's like, you help me here. I'm so- I was thinking then that I was actually wondering, I was uh, like, is he going to say like, I'm not doing this. Like, yeah. this, is, this is too, this is ridiculous. It did cross my mind. It totally did. But I could like, you can't back out. You just told everyone you're yeah. riding a bike across the country. Yeah. Not to mention we were using a cycling GPS instead of a regular GPS so it was taking us down all these back roads and we must have we were supposed to ride 60 miles on the first day we probably rode about 48 but once it started getting dark I go on Google Maps and go how far are we from the house I want to check it out and we're 23 miles from the house <laughs> so this GPS took us like like all over the place right so um, we didn't get to the destination and we were just like all right what do we do here so we asked this couple just sitting in their backyard right like, can we pitch, can we pitch a tent in the backyard and that was also very interesting because like they were kind of like shying away but once once you show that you're normal people you say what you're doing it, it's fine hmm. and we're like we're riding our bikes across the country they're like oh my god you, you're almost there and we're like no like we, <laughs> we uh <laughs> we, we actually just that was the hurt yeah, oh, we yeah. actually uh we're, we're from marshfield massachusetts and they're like it's like 20 miles from here. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we've been biking all day. Like, like just like, go well, home. Start why why don't you start over tomorrow? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But uh, that was a major difference too, was that in the North, when we were asking people like, hey, can we camp in your backyard? A lot of them were kind of like timid about it, kind of shying away. And down South, it was just like, sometimes we were going to be like, hey, like we're brothers, we're riding our bikes across the country. Uh, can we pitch a tent in your backyard? And people were just like, oh, hell yeah. We're, Pitch a tent wherever you like. Like, right. like, like it was nothing. Like right. it was really nothing to them. There actually was a lot of southern hospitality. Like it's, huh. a, it's a real thing. Huh. Cool. Did you uh, like? Did you run into any sort of racial issues? Did you like? Was there any like? Not that I recall. No, I don't think. Wonder two black brothers riding across the country. How that would be? Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe a little different. I mean, I do feel like we yeah. did get a break in terms of like bad is people kind of maybe trusted us more i feel like just two white kids like we just kind of maybe came off as more innocent or right how old are you guys 
What would you guess? Uh, well, you just finished college, so you're like 21 or 22 or something. 23. And you're 25. 28. 28. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take you doing good, good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I got the gray in the beard. That's what some lady said to me the other day. So you guys do it while you're young, and then she's like, wait a second, is that gray in your beard? She's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And I walked away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the funniest things, too, was the other day we were, we were 60 miles from Santa Monica, and this guy came up to us. He goes, how far are you, you guys riding your bikes? And we go, oh, we're riding to Santa Monica. He goes, damn, man, like, that's crazy. <laughs> we were like, leaving no, but there. we started in Massachusetts, and he's like, holy shit. Like, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I thought there was a, one of the funny things was there was a major difference between some of these older southern white guys. Like we, every time we stopped at a convenience store, people would ask us like, "Oh, where are you heading?" And uh, these older older southern white guys would be like, "We tell them where we were going, Massachusetts to California." They'd be like, "Oh man, still got a ways to go. Good luck." <laughs> but the black people would be like. Damn! <laughs> so you started all the way up there, and now you're here. Yeah, they did seem a lot more interested in the like yeah. sitting around. They'd like get a red, go back and get a monster, hang out, talk to us for a while. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's cool. where that was actually some of the most fun because like when you're riding, I mean, it's blissful when you have like good conditions, good terrain. Um, but sometimes it's just brutal. Like some days when the wind is blowing your face, you mm. get uphills, you're carrying weight. Right. So like the breaks, like the next break you get at a gas station where you just like get a little snack and something to drink and like maybe shoot the shit with whoever walks in and out. Like those are some of the best parts of the trip. It's like yeah. people always ask me like what the best part of touring is. And I think most people do say this and definitely was for me. It's just the people you meet along the way. Right. Like if they, you know, you're riding eight, nine hours a day and then like, the end of the day when you get to come into someone's house and they make you a home cooked meal, you meet mm, their kids, yeah, or, you know, yeah. you're sharing stories with them. You're like, okay, this is why I did this, yeah, you know, and yeah. it sinks in. Yeah, it's true. You, and you, you sort of need to have a reason to hang out with people. That's the funny thing. I mean, I even get that with the podcast. I say lots of times, you know, like it's so cool to just be able to hang out with people, but they wouldn't, you know, I mean, whatever, like you guys probably wouldn't have reached out to me. We wouldn't be doing this if there weren't a podcast, you know, there's just, you need to have a reason to find yourself in somebody's living room it's kind of but once you do it's great yeah so what did your bodies change you lose weight he yeah. did i think i lost about like 15 to 20 pounds i haven't weighed myself since but uh, i feel like i gained some muscle in my legs i might have put have. on might have put on a couple pounds especially know. if you not, weren't working out i mean you weren't training yeah not to mention all we did was eat wendy's and mcdonald's i was gonna ask like what did you you didn't, you weren't carrying food yeah i mean <laughs> i eat relatively healthy usually like when like before this trip you know some definitely some ice cream in there definitely some pretty like unhealthy snacks here and there but i try to mix in like good food but on this trip it's like when you're just going for you know, six, seven, eight hours a day, like you see a fast food. And sometimes it's the only option you have. Right. Too. Like when you're in the middle of nowhere and there's only a Dairy Queen, like you're eating Dairy Queen. You yeah. know, like, so, I mean, it's just like, you kind of just let yourself do it. I mean, I'm sure, I think a lot of it too is who you go with. Like some of my friends who are like really strict diets, like if I did this trip with them, I probably would have eaten more like them, you know? But the fact that he's like, you know, big on like the fast food, chicken, whatever. I'm like, okay, Dude, I love fast doing, food. You know? I'll, I'll eat it all, every yeah. day. And you can <laughs> kind of excuse yourself because you're like, look, I did, you're se burning through I did it. 70 miles today. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to eat whatever the fuck I feel yeah. like, right? <laughs> yeah. That's true. So did you guys get ripped off? Anyone try to steal your shit or anything? Uh, fortunately, no. We no. were pretty good. 
there were some sketchy times where we rode through some rough areas where I got a little bit nervous, but nothing like... Yeah, I mean, I kind of just... Yeah, people say that, like, I'll oh, be careful where you ride. And well, like, the, the thing is, is we have, between the bikes, our camera equipment, the laptop, the drone, the, the GoPros, mm -hmm. we had, we added it all up and we, we were probably riding with about $17,000 worth of stuff. Wow. So, basically, when one of us had to go into a convenience store, the other one would just stay outside and, right. and watch the bikes. Right. And we the, did have some sketchy times, though. There was one night where... We ended up camping behind a rest stop in the middle of nowhere off of I-40 in New Mexico. And like literally like all night we just hear like the truck rumbling sound, you know, and mm -hmm. like we're literally behind, literally behind this Dairy Queen, like down, like in the woods, like behind this rest stop. Like it was kind of weird. I don't know. That was probably the most sketchy camping situation we had. Yeah. It's like when you hear like horror stories of stuff going wrong, it's like it felt like it was like locations like that that <laughs> stuff would happen. Yeah. I had a bivouac tent I used to, when I was hitchhiking. It wasn't even a tent, it was just like a bag you yeah. got in your sleeping bag inside. I remember one night I was in that at a rest stop somewhere and I was sound asleep and then I heard like the rain and I woke up like, oh fuck it's raining, I gotta like pull this thing, zip this thing, whatever. But there, it wasn't raining, but I heard the water and I realized it was just some guy taking a piss, like, you know, <laughs> three feet from my head. And he, he didn't even know I was there, you know, so I didn't move. And it's just like, oh, this is, I got to get a job. This, <laughs> this is no way to live. This is crazy. Yeah, one of the funniest mm -hmm. stories, too, we were at a fast food restaurant down south and uh, we had finished eating and this guy came up to us and he was like, so you guys are riding from Massachusetts to California? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, Y'all got any protection? And Brian, Brian didn't quite get what he meant. He's like, like condoms. Like, condoms? Yeah. like, what are you talking about? He's like, you guys, you guys carrying a weapon? And we're like, no, like, we're, we're good. You were all about to go into Mississippi. Here you go. He's <laughs> like, hands us a knife. Really? Yeah. He gave us a knife. Yeah. We were like right on the border of Alabama, and Mississippi. Wow, that's which, crazy. Yeah, there were definitely some sketchy neighbor i mean in mississippi in particular we ended up staying with a couch tripping house in a, in a town that wasn't the nicest mm. yeah it's pretty run down like i remember going by and seeing a house that was on sale for like 600 bucks and it just like set it on the house like <laughs> just on a spray board. painted yeah <laughs> 600 bucks yeah that's a bargain yeah, yeah. pretty good did, did you discover any any towns that were like amazingly nice that you didn't you never heard of before i mean i've heard of greenwich connecticut but that was that was pretty <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. that was pretty nice. i'm thinking i was thinking more along the lines of uh, undiscovered you know young people looking for a cool cheap place to live greenwich connecticut yeah <laughs> like, i mean uh, i kind of like lubbock texas i didn't know a whole lot about that oh uh, really yeah. we went to a texas tech game there and it was kind of like a real cool college -y feel right really one of the things we were trying to do was we're down south and we're going through all these towns like college towns we wanted to see a college football game it just so happened that every time we ended up in a college football town they were on the road yeah. like, come on give us like a home game right. and we ended up in uh seeing texas tech versus texas oh like, that's a big game yeah and uh we had a great time like we actually were there the day before it was like a friday we got in and they had the game the next morning and we met some guys at the bar who were like alumni and they were just like i'll oh, come to this tailgate like it'll be awesome we show up and it's like free beer free food so you're like in it you're like in the you're like so wow. what, what do you do with your bikes when you go to a football game so that that time we had a host we actually had a warm shower host so mm -hmm. a cyclist um who lived like 20 uh he lived like 
I don't know, maybe 15 minutes away from the stadium, and uh, he hosted us for the night. So we had our bikes at his house, mm, and then he great. actually just drove us to the game. Right. He was really cool. Right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and when you're in a restaurant, you just have the bikes outside the window or something? Yeah, that's yeah, pretty much. how it works. Sometimes yeah. you take them in if it's like, like we, you know, sometimes we go in and ask, like, oh, can we bring our bikes in here? Um, but yeah, you just put it by a window, basically. What about hosts? Are you run into any, like, weird situation with hosts? Um, what do you mean by weird? People expecting uh, sex or oh, no, uh, no. awkward awkwardness, like their their house smelled really bad. Or there were there were a couple where where the house wasn't the nicest, or it smelled bad, or the couch was kind of dirty. But like generally, these people just wanted to meet other people, and they met. There were people that were quirky or different or weird, but they weren't like creeps. They weren't right. out to get you or right. anything. Then you know, it's funny that deep I, down they meant well. You know, yeah. I noticed a lot, and it's, you know. When you think about the idea of being hosted, like you think that the person who's being hosted like needs the host more than the host needs the person. Hmm. But it's really a lot of the times I feel like it was the other way around. Like we'd be there uh, and yeah. we'd be having conversations and we're like, this person's a little bit lonely. Like right. The conversations we're having, like right. it's almost like they need this one, right now. One of right. the most interesting hosts we met was uh, a guy in Charlotte, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's a gay black, he's a 65 year old gay black man, and he just has a passion for hosting people. Like, mm. he, he loves, he hosts what, how many people that year? The over 100 couch surfers this, this really? year. Yeah. Yeah, and when we got there, we, we, he introduced himself, he told us he was gay and stuff, but he, uh, he actually has Alzheimer's. He's diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Early onset. So, early onset Alzheimer's. So, the deal with his doctors is that, um, they don't want him living alone, so he compensates by hosting couch surfers. Wow! And we d we were only supposed to stay there for one night, but we really developed a bond with him, and he really like loved our company. So we ended up staying there for the entire weekend. Right. Yeah. And what was interesting was our next host. Um, her name is Kate. She lived in South Carolina, and she's actually a holistic health doctor. And she got into holistic health because her son was diagnosed with cancer. And she helped, uh, holistic health helped cure her son of cancer. So she really developed a passion for it. And she was telling us this story about how she helped someone with Parkinson's disease, like really overcome it, which there's no cure for Parkinson's disease. But we told her about Brian and his Alzheimer's and um, we connected the two of them. Mm. And uh, I don't know if they've actually met up yet or not, but they, they have been in contact. And I don't know, that was just really rewarding. Yeah. It was really rewarding to yeah. like, I don't know if she's really going to be able to help him, but she's going right. to try. And it kind of felt meant to be too, because yeah, that, so that was thinking, North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, the and literally, next, we went over the yeah. border and ended up at her house. The yeah. next, that was like the next day. Yeah. We like left his house. And you must place. have been thinking like, wow, there's yeah, some divine purpose yeah, exactly, to this. Exactly. Yeah. And we told, we just told her about him. And she's like, well, you know, if he does this and this and this, and he's not too drugged up on pharmaceuticals, like there right. is a way around this. Right. And we're like, okay, well, we'll connect you to. Yeah. 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 And we also got him involved on Snapchat because, like, for example, the very next day after we stayed with him, he told me, it's early onset, so he remembers a lot and he writes a lot down to remember stuff. But right. the next morning he goes, I forgot your name, like stuff like, like just like little things like that. And um, he, he actually, he missed us so much that he decided to fly out to Dallas, Texas and hang out with us for no the weekend. Shit. And we got him involved. Oh, that's cool. We yeah, got him involved cool. on Snapchat so that like we can, he can see us every single day on Snapchat, like physically see us. So, right. you know, that helps him uh, remember us. And uh, he actually really wanted to come out in LA and hang out with us, but uh, we just, 
we don't want to have him fly across the country and be like, oh, we got to shoot all day. Yeah, yeah we got to shoot all yeah. day. We're doing yeah. a lot of stuff. We're really yeah. busy, but yeah. So what's next? You you you're moving to New York and hang with your your girlfriend in Battery Park. Yeah, no, I, yeah. She I'm, hasn't dumped you, huh? No, no. That's she's she's good. she's been hanging in there. Uh, <laughs> she's she's definitely ready for me to come back. I'm ready to go back. Get my life started. Uh, I really just want to freelance a little bit um create as as many films as i possibly can maybe try to get a job um i don't quite know but i've tried my best to save up as much money before college to be able to do something like this before you know once i graduate so that i didn't have to just hop right into that job and, right. and be stuck kind of yeah. Plus, it's a resume builder. You know, if I am looking for a job, to you know, I feel like it's a conversation starter to yeah. say, you know, say what I've been doing. Definitely, yeah, it definitely uh, distinguishes you from the average job applicant. No doubt about it. And what's what's next for you? Uh, I'm not totally sure yet. I mean, I've been a digital nomad of sorts since I graduated. Like, I haven't lived in any one place for more than six months in the mm -hmm. last five years. So. But I am kind of looking to maybe settle down a little bit more. We're, we're kind of looking on places like we've been talking about New York with him, potentially uh, back to Vegas. That's kind of where, where my home base has been oh, the really? last few years. Yeah, on and off. But doing, I've been doing a lot of traveling, like oh. mostly Central America. Yeah, you mentioned Nicaragua. Yeah, Guatemala. yeah, mostly Costa Rica, mm. but uh, a little bit of Guatemala. Most recently, last year, I spent some time in Guatemala. Yeah, I like Guatemala. Beautiful place. Yeah, I was on uh, Lake Atilan for a while. Yeah. Santiago de Antilán. Yeah, you know. so I mostly in uh, San Pedro and San Marcos. Mm. Panachel is that? That's like Panachel is like kind of the touristy. That's like where everyone comes in. Right. It's not really the place I'd want to be living. Yeah. Same thing with Santiago. It's that's. I mean, if you want to see what it's like for locals, Santiago's good. Like, um, but San Pedro is like the real touristy backpack spot, and then mm. San Marcos is the real like hippie spiritual little town. Yeah. Now, last time I was there was like eighty. 88 so i'm uh, sure it's yeah, changed, it's changed a, lot. a ton since then yeah yeah, yeah. san cristobal you've been there in chiapas no, oh, no i haven't been there that's a cool place you've been there anandi's been there <laughs> anandi hasn't said anything a because she hasn't been on the trip she wasn't on the trip and b because i only have three microphones <laughs> that's the main reason yeah. i gotta get another microphone um i've never had four people though um but uh, cool. All right. So uh, what else can we say? Uh, give your, your website and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. If you just go to livehigh.org, all our social media is in the upper right-hand corner, uh, Facebook, Instagram. And the main one we've been doing lately is Snapchat. It's just uh, livehighbry. Live how, how is Snapchat different from Periscope? Is that... Periscope's like, I believe, just like live. It's kind of like Facebook Live. Like You can just like literally broadcast live from your phone, whereas right. Snapchat, you're taking 10 second videos or less and putting them on a storyline and they, oh. they delete after 24 hours. Oh, so on Instagram, there's a similar, similar. No, they have like on Instagram, it's called Instagram stories. I stories, think. right. It's, it's, I think it's Facebook's way of competing with Snapchat. Oh, I gotcha. It's Facebook gotcha. like owns Instagram. Right. But uh, yeah, the Snapchat is lit by Bri and we, I mean, we did stories every day during the trip, but I um, plan on continuing to do semi-daily stories just it's kind of like a daily vlog type thing. Right. So people who are thinking of doing this, like what kind of budget are you looking at if you want to ride across the country? I mean, well, if you want to talk be, about David. Yeah, we because, didn't even mention this guy. Yeah, like this that, is a but, good, uh, yeah, this is. Definitely. You can do, if you're frugal and you're, uh, you know, pretty conservative with your money, like you can do it super cheap. Like we met a guy 
who uh, is actually a Buddhist monk, and he had been in silence the last 18 years. He came up from behind us on the road in New Mexico, just out of nowhere. And you're like, you see another guy with a loaded bike, like you're immediately friends. You're like, yo, like you're doing the same thing. And it turns out like he was kind of in shock at the state of the world when he got out. And uh, he just decided to go on this ride for peace and justice. And he's like riding all around America, just kind of like spreading love and spreading peace. And um, it's funny, he said like, the only two things they said to him while he was in the monastery was, there's been an attack, a terrorist attack in the United States in New York City and a black man's been elected president. That's the only contact he had with the outside world for 18 years. Oh, shit. So this guy had just like gotten out. He's like just what? learning social media. He like missed the whole internet and everything. Where, where was he? Do you know where the monastery was? It was actually in California. Yeah. It was like north yeah, was of here. California. It was like kind of close to here, which I was surprised. I was thinking it was going to be like Tibet or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. But um, 18 but then, years, yeah, no nuts. contact. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. No he, ended up, uh, he ended up camping with us for a couple nights. He hung out with us because you're just on I-40. Did he for talk a lot? Yeah. Was he like, that guy will not shut up? No, it's <laughs> kind of like that. Uh, shut actually, up, dude. He was an amazing listener. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it is. It's, really like, listener. it's like, I feel like when you listen really well, you know how to respond perfectly. It's like, um, he, was just, he was a great conversationalist, but he didn't need to talk a lot to do it. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. We interviewed him and he was like a fantastic interview. Yeah. Uh, he was, was little, really definitely one of the most inspiring people we met. And I, I, I even just just spending a couple nights camping with him, I learned a lot, hmm. and I learned a lot from this trip. One in particular, you really, I just feel like you don't need that much to be happy. Like I've had the time in my life hmm. for these past three months, and I've just been living on a bike right. and camping and meeting right. people, and Simplicity. it's something that I'll never forget. And yeah. uh, I'm definitely once I do get a job and go into that life, I'm gonna try to keep a balance, you know. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Are you at all afraid that, like, you'll look back on this 15 years from now and say that was that was the high point? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, because when maybe. you have an extraordinary experience, one danger is like, oh shit, you know. Now, how do I maintain this level of happiness? Yeah. Well, I know? think it's just continuing to. I mean, you'll be getting laid. That'll that'll help you for the first few weeks, <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> I, I just think it's continuing to challenge yourself and throw yourself because like this was a challenge like not just physically but like mentally yeah emotionally. right right and uh just the idea of it like thinking about what could happen like you're waking up every day and not knowing who you're going to meet not knowing what you're going to see where you're going to be yeah. so if you just keep putting yourself in situations like that like giving yourself opportunities to have adventures you know i think right. you, can, you can fulfill that that gap of like okay like my monotonous life like doesn't compare to this one bike trip I had it's kind of like even if it means you know working your ass off for a few months so you can save and go on that trip or whatever or, or do something like this like All you right. can still do it you know yeah. if you put your mind to it well, I heard you guys before we turned on the mics you were talking about Eastern Europe or, or you wanted to uh, Patrick you wanted to get out of the country yeah you got some like concrete plans or just sort of Definitely not concrete plans. I mean, like he said, I should probably buy a passport. That's the first thing <laughs> I should do. Get yeah. a passport. Yeah. yeah, that's easy. Just go um, to the post office. Yeah, I, it, it's definitely after just seeing the country and seeing the divide and seeing all the different types of people. I think it's time to like see that around the world. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. You know, I gotta get the money and I gotta pay off my student loans and do all that stuff. But it's definitely a dream of mine to to see more yeah. and learn. One of the biggest things David taught us was that, like, instead of valuing stuff, value knowledge, you know? Experience. Experiences right. and yeah. knowledge. And that, that's kind of how he's been living his life. And right. uh, he seems happier than 
any one of them. Yeah, this guy was cooking all his own food. Like, he would just go off camp, like, kind of off the side of the road, like, buy all his own groceries, and so he could do it for, like, very little. Because most of our expense was food, really. Right. I mean, past, like, obviously the bike, my my bike was a couple thousand, like, gotta buy the pannier saddlebags and Mm -hmm. all the accessories that go with it, just so, like, gear is very important. You don't want to go cheap on your gear. Right. You know, that's really important, but, uh, you can stay on the road for a long time, you know, if, if you're conservative enough with your money and you're buying your own groceries, like, I think it's very doable. Especially if you're camping, like you're not paying for anything. And the way warm showers and, uh, you know, couch surfing can help you too. It's like, it's very doable. And that's cheap. free. They, yeah, You're yeah. not paying people to stay yeah, in their no, place. No. Yeah. All the hosting was free. Right. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, thanks. Patrick, yeah. Brian, livehigh.org. Livehigh.org, yeah. All right. And is that thing, is the your interview with David, is that archived? Can people uh, go back I and mean, find I mean, that's that? going to be part of the documentary, but he's actually going to be in, he, he's, he's featured in, in the next episode of our vlog, which should be coming out soon. It's actually edited. The rough cut is edited. Ah, just, so we, that, we just finished everything up and finished shooting everything. So these next like couple of weeks are going to be a lot of editing. Right. So yeah. that should be coming out like within the next week. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. at livehigh.org. So it'll be up by the time this comes yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Good. The, you, the YouTube link is in the upper right hand corner yeah. of the blog so people can see all the videos yeah there. and the snapchat is on my about me page it's live high bry and then all the social media is in the upper right hand of the website is livehigh.org yeah right. that's live high bry yeah for those right. Snapchat, and, and i'll put links on on my site awesome. as well for everyone. cool all right yeah, appreciate that, it thanks for coming up to topanga dudes yeah, yeah it was a pleasure and and do that the silent <laughs> our son yeah. you're a dude too oh, <laughs> yeah, all the best women are dudes so secluded yeah. All right, thanks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through Patreon.com. You can decide how much you want to give the podcast a buck a month, five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, or you can get completely crazy and give 20 bucks a month or more. Or you can give nothing. If you don't have any cash, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends. The other way you can support the podcast is if you buy shit through Amazon.com or you know someone who does, please direct them through the link on my page chrisryanphd.com you click on that baby once bookmark the landing page on amazon and then eight to ten percent of whatever you spend will come to support the podcast at no extra cost to you or your loved ones thank you to basin and range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast very funky little tune there uh called the bright side of the sun i believe you can find out more about them at basinandrangeband.com if you want to talk about the podcast with other listeners a good place to do that is on reddit just search tangentially speaking all one word there's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes i drop in occasionally and say hello answer questions whatever uh thanks to shore design t-shirts our garage is full of them my mom has them all organized as only she can julie thank you to julie my mom she'll send those t-shirts out to you if you order them everything we've got in stock is from shore design t-shirts in thailand and you can check out their webpage as well for other designs thank you to carcy blanton you can find out more about carcy blanton at carcyblanton.com c-a-r-s-i-e-b-l-a-n-t-o-n.com she wrote and performed the song you're about to hear which is called smoke alarm and it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem while you still can because ladies and gentlemen you're gonna die one day Here's to you, Bennett. He said, baby, what's a big deal? 
Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation, trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say? Doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch. Why don't you let it out to play? Your heart is in a birdcage, singing in your chest. You wanna shut it up but give it a rest. You're gonna die one day. Why do we waste our time thinking about a reputation? Go down. We'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground. 